Welcome to Grace. We're so glad you guys are here. Let's pray one more time before we look at the word together. Put your hand on your heart if you would, please. <clears throat> Father, we're asking you in Jesus' name that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd speak your words into our hearts and change our lives. We pray that none of us would be untouched by what you want to do in each one of us today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the exact opposite about of what many of you are taught your whole life. And uh, God promises if we'll do what I'm going to talk about today out of his word, if we'll do it and do it his way, then we'll never again struggle with loneliness. You'll be able to overcome things like fatigue and fear and frustration and failure. You'll be able to handle things like depression and despair and actually replace those things with hope if we do what we're going to see in the scriptures today. Now, what we need to understand, the backdrop to that is we, are, we live in a very uh, independent country. In fact, America, we have the Declaration of Independence. We have songs in our country like, I got to be me, I did it my way. We have the Lone Ranger. We have the Lone Star State of Texas. And many actually, because of all this, I think we have bought into this myth that the key to happiness is independence. That if I have relational independence, if I have financial independence, if I have independence in every area of my life, if I don't need anybody else, if I'm totally self-sufficient, then I'll be happy. But God says just the opposite. God says the key to happiness is not independence, but interdependence. That God actually wired you and me to actually need each other. He wired us to not go through life in a solitary, individual kind of way, but he wired us, designed us to go through life in community. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. You cannot grow spiritually, you know, in every kind of way by yourself. You can't do the mission. You can't fulfill whatever your calling is by yourself. We have to do it in relationship to other people. So today we're going to look at the question, why do we need each other? Because God is quite clear in the scriptures that he made us to need each other. So I want us to look at a passage that tells us why we need each other. So let's look in your Bibles at the book of Ecclesiastes. The verses will be up on the screen, but you can also look in your Bible or on your device. There's Bibles also available in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't have one, you can take that one and keep it. Ecclesiastes, you have in the middle of your Bible the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. And the next book is the book of Ecclesiastes, also written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by King Solomon. Let's pick it up in verse 9 of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. For if either of them falls... The one will lift up his companion, 
But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. So furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So King Solomon is talking about this idea of living in community with other people and why it's so important. He talks about four benefits here. We have the benefit of working together. We become we're actually more productive. The benefit of, of actually living together. Our lives will be so much more positive. And we have this benefit of loving together. And then finally, of even fighting together where we're even more protected. So we're going to break this down, and we're going to walk through these four benefits of, of really living in community. Number one, the first benefit, working together, as our lives are more productive. Let's read again Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. So we're just more productive. I'll tell you, one of my favorite movie scenes of all time is in the movie The Patriot. And it's at the end of the movie, after the Revolutionary War has come to an end, and all those who are now living in the, you know, the, the colonies that are becoming states and so forth, they actually have had their houses burned down during the war, and they have gathered together to help each other rebuild their homes. And I just love that scene. A lot of times you've also seen where, like the Amish, even today, can in one day the whole community of Amish come together and then one day put up and build a barn in a day. It's amazing what we can do if we help each other. We're so much more productive when we work together. That's also true in ministry. When we do ministry together, we're so much more productive. For example, if you're in a life group, if you're not, I wish you would be, but if you're, if you're in a life group, here's, here is the deal. You've got someone you're trying to minister to. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, family member. And you bring them with you to a life group meeting, a small, a small group meeting, and they get to know the person as well. So now they're praying for them, and now they're talking to them, and they're loving on them, and they're helping you actually be more effective in ministry. So anytime we work together, we're so much more effective. So that's one of the reasons why we need each other. We're so much more productive when we work together. The second benefit that he gives us is in verse 10. That is living together. Our lives are going to be so much more positive. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. So all of us have times where we need the support of others. We have time where part of that support is we need even their input. We need their counsel. And life goes so much better when we have that support. Life goes so much better when we have wise counsel that we're responding to. In fact, I want you to think about these verses here regarding counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. Our Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. So we experience so much more success, so many more victories 
when we are living in close relationships with the support and the wisdom that come with that. I can't tell you how many times uh, I have benefited from the fact that uh, we make decisions as as a plurality of leaders. We have God designed the church to be led by a plural leadership team called elders. And I've come, I, I'm kind of the idea guy many times. I come in with a lot of, I try to be a bit of a catalyzer. But the elders, they take the ideas and we massage them and they come out with so much more wisdom than one man has. And, and, and so many times the council that comes out of those meetings has saved the church from some really bad decisions that I would have made by myself. And But think about that. That's how our lives are meant to be, too. We, we could actually make such better decisions when we live in community. We have people that we trust. They trust us, and, we're be- and they know what's going on in our lives, and we're bouncing ideas off of them about what we're thinking about doing. I can't tell you how many times I've had counseling appointments where somebody has really got themselves in a jam because of a bad decision they made. And I thought to myself, if you would have had anybody's input, they would have told you not to do that. But they didn't. They didn't have a relationship and a connection with somebody. They could have said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? We benefit from having people in our lives. We benefit. Life is so much more positive when we have that support of living in community. What we actually have is we have a country. America really is a country full of lonely people. I I read recently a survey that indicated that 90% of adult males in America said when they could do it privately in the survey, said admitted they do not have one true good friend. Not one true friend. 90%. See, the thing about it is no one wants to admit that they're lonely. Loneliness is something we associate with losers and nobody wants to be a loser, so everyone pretends that they're not lonely when so many really are. Loneliness, loneliness uh, Mother Teresa said one time when she was alive, she said, loneliness is the leprosy of modern society. And nobody wants to be a leper. Well, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that God made Adam. He made man. He made Adam. And Adam's in a perfect environment, perfect environment, Garden of Eden, perfect relationship with God, no sin, God's hanging out in the Garden of Eden. Everything's perfect. But then God says, but it was not good. It's the first not good thing in the Bible. It was not good that man is alone. So loneliness is the first not good thing in the Bible. So God is going to fix loneliness. You say, well, how did he fix it? Well, you, know, you say he fixed it with marriage. Well, yeah, but, but really God did so much more than that even. See, God created two groups of people. We have our physical family but we also have a spiritual family. Now, the physical family, is that's the family that you just grew up in. The spiritual family is the one that you have become part of because of faith in Christ as your Savior and Lord. Your physical family eventually kind of moves away, separates, gets spread out, and something, they start dying off. Your spiritual family, the body of Christ, goes on forever. And ever and ever. And so we need to understand that that we are part of something that God really intends to be not just qualitative, but quantitative. It's never going to end. In Hebrews chapter 10, it said, they they did not 
give up this habit of meeting together as a spiritual family. I like that word habit. They had this habit of meeting together, and they wouldn't quit the habit. And my hope for all of us is that we'll keep this habit. Make it a habit of coming together on Sundays, but also make it a habit of gathering in a smaller group where you are known and they know you. Get the benefit of both. That's what God's really intention is that we have. And so loneliness is a horrible thing. In fact, there was a study done out of Harvard that tracked 7,000 people over nine years. And it found out in the study that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. In fact, the study went on to find out that people who had bad health habits, bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating, uh, obesity, alcohol, but even when they had those habits, they had strong social ties Those people lived significantly longer than people who had good health habits but were isolated. Harvard researcher Robert Putman, he actually said, if you don't belong to a group this year, but decide to join one, a small group he's talking about, a group where you are known and they know you and there's connections. If you don't belong to a group but decide to join one this year, you will cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. There's another uh, study, and it's uh, out of the Journal of the uh, American Medical Association. They had 276 volunteers. And they took them and they infected all of them, all 276, with the virus that produces the common cold. In this study, they found that the people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. It goes on to say these people were less susceptible to colds, that they produced significantly less mucus than relationally isolated subjects. I'm not making this up. They produced less mucus. That means it's literally true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. (laughs) But loneliness is a horrible thing. Yet so many people are lonely and God doesn't want it. God doesn't like it. So God wants us to live in community. He wants us all to have connections, close connections that are supportive and helpful. He wants us all to have that deep, loving, lasting relationships. Let me give you another benefit. Benefit number three, loving together. Our lives are more supported. Ecclesiastes 4.11, Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? So we all need support in life. We need material support. We need emotional support. We need spiritual support. In fact, it's hard really to keep going without that support. It's so easy for, if we're by ourselves, to get discouraged, to get despairing, to get, you know, apathetic and unmotivated. We need the support to keep on going in our lives and going well. There's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when we run together, we run far. 
So this life is not a, you know, this is not a 50-yard dash. This is a marathon. We need other people in our lives so we can run far. It's not going to be very long before we're going to see, you know, geese flying over as it gets colder, flying from north to south. And you're going to see them in a V formation. Many of you know that, that they fly in a V formation. The, the one in front is, is, is doing the most work, but provi- providing lift for the goose behind, behind. And then the goose behind that is provided lift by the one in front. And then they switch leadership roles. And they, they, they can actually go so much further by doing this simple process of flying together. The same is true as Christians. We can go so much further and do so much more when we do it together. I'll be honest with you. I would not be pastoring today if it wasn't for some godly friends over the years who have kept me going. We all need that. We need that in our lives. Well, the fourth benefit for community, for us being involved in community, is fighting together. Our lives are more protected Ecclesiastes 4.12, if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Now, perhaps you have in your neighborhood a neighborhood watch sign. A neighborhood watch sign basically means that the neighbors have all agreed to watch out for each other's stuff. Others are watching up your house, I'm watching for your car. If you're going on vacation, I'll, I'll watch your stuff because I know you want your stuff watched. But what I want to know today is not who's watching after your stuff, but who's watching after your soul. Do you have anybody that really is checking in on you spiritually, that really is making sure that you are, you know, still growing, making sure you're not discouraged and not depressed, you're not giving up? You got anybody that's watching out? For your soul. We all, we all need someone like that. We need somebody in our lives that loves us and, and we trust them enough to speak into us and keep up with us. We all have blind spots and we need somebody that will tell us about the things we're not paying attention, not, not noticing. So you might leave in this parking lot today and have a tail light out. If you have a newer car, it'll tell you. But if we have some older cars, it's not going to tell you unless somebody else tells you. You got a tail light out. Or how about if you're unzipped? <laughs> Don't you hope somebody tells you? If you got a black olive on a front tooth, how long are they going to let that go on? But more seriously, we need people in our lives who've got our back spiritually. So let me ask you, who's got your back? Does anybody have your back? A better question might be, whose back do you have? Because if you don't have somebody's back, then they, you probably don't have anybody that has yours. Some years ago, you know, I read about this guy who is this experienced rock climber. Many of you remember the story. He's climbing by himself, and he, and he somehow falls, slips, and falls into a crevice, and his arm gets caught. Remember this? He, and he can't get out by himself. He takes out his pocket knife and cuts his arm off. What's crazy about that is it didn't have to happen. If he had another climber with him, it wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have been able to help him get out of that crevice and save his arm. See, so so many times we find ourselves in big problems by ourselves and we suffer unnecessarily 
if we just if we just had some support and some community in our lives. You know, there are situations that none of us go through alone. None of us. Nobody should ever have to wait in a hospital while a loved one is going through a life or death surgery and be alone while you're waiting for that to happen. No woman should have to wait alone waiting for a lab report on a problem pregnancy. Nobody. Nobody should ever have to wait for news from the battlefield alone. Nobody should have to stand on the edge of an open grave alone. Nobody should have to wait at home alone for the coroner to come and publicly identify the body of a loved one who just died. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone after the husband or the wife dies. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone after a husband or wife leaves. See, the fact is you and I are going to go through tragedy. We're going to go through it. It's just a matter of time. And we're going to hear bad news. And we're going to find some of us, you know, we're going to find out that we're dying. And only a fool would know that I'm going to one day face a crisis and a difficulty, and I don't have a support system to help me when it happens. Now's the time to be developing. Now the time is to make the connections, make the relationships, get part, be part of the community. Because when that time happens, you're going to need that support, and they're going to need your support when it happens with them. I'll never forget about the time there was a guy in our church, and this is many years ago, and he never got involved in anything. Never joined a small group, never volunteered for anything. He just came Sunday morning occasionally and came and met me. I was the only one he knew in church. And he had a heart attack one day, ended up in the hospital, and ended up having some infection, and he was in the hospital for two weeks. And I was on some mission trip in some other country. And I didn't hear about it until I got back. And I got back, and he's out of the hospital, and he comes into church, walks up to me and says, I want you to know I'm leaving the church. I said, why? What happened? He said, church is unfriendly. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was in the hospital two weeks, and nobody came to visit me. And I just want you to know I'm leaving. Bye. He turned around and walked out. You know what was going on in my head when he walked out? I thought, it's your fault. You, had never, you never visited anybody in the hospital, so nobody visited you. You never even came to a group and never, never you made one friend here, so you had no one to come see you. It's your fault. See, we've got to be willing to initiate and, and make these connections so when time comes that we need support, we got it. I read about this guy. They found him dead in his uh, house, and he'd been dead for two years, and nobody knew. Two years. How does that happen? Two years, and nobody even missed him. And I thought about it. I thought about how tragic that is, but I thought about what despair he must have been in when he was in that house all by himself, dying alone. See, we need community. We need others in our lives to work with us, to live with us, to love with us, to fight with us. And God wants us to have it. So if God wants us to have it, how do I get it? Well, there's an old simple rhyme that 
I heard many, many years ago. I went out to find a friend, but he was not there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. There's a, you know, it's, it's like what, you know, there, there is a vitamin. What's the, there's a, the best vitamin you can take to make friends. You know what it is? Be one. Be one. Okay, so I'm going to break it down. Here's how you do it. How, here's how you become part of community. Here's how you make you become part of a supportive network of relationships. Here's how you do it. Number one, three points. Number one, simple. Number one, believe that community is important. People do what makes sense to them. So you got to, first of all, believe it matters. you got to believe it is important. The fact of the matter is God exists in community himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. By the way, God is perfect in every way, including perfect in community, perfect in love. And so that's why he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect community. He, 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 he creates us and he invites us into this community with him and with, the, with each other. And so we need to realize it's important. Believe it's important. Believe you need it. Number one. Number two, be willing to initiate toward others. I was reading this passage again this, this week and I thought about it a little differently. First, John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So we love God because he initiated, right? He initiated to us. He first loved us. We respond. We reciprocate. The more we know he loves us, the more we love him. But I thought about not only that truth, but I thought about that principle. I thought about the people who have so many people that love them. I thought, you know, in every case, that person who's got so many people that love them, that is the person who has initiated love to so many people. You know, we love because he first loved us. The same thing in human relationships. Those who initiate, who will step out, who will make the phone call, give the text, you know, invite people over, that person has all kinds of friends. We have to be willing to initiate, step out. That's why we, we're always inviting people into small groups, but you got to come, show up, show up. Take the step to actually make the friendships and be part of a group. I've had people, and I, I tell people, visit three different small groups and find one that works for you. Because sometimes they'll go to one small group and go, well, that was weird. <laughs> I'm not going back to that one. That, you know, well, see, we'll, we'll find one for you that's just as weird as you. <laughs> so keep visiting. And there will be a connection. Okay, so number one, we must believe it's important to have community. Number two, we've got to initiate. We're going to have to initiate. Number three, here we go, last one. Now, before I give you number three, let me tell you about this. Dale Carnegie wrote a book entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People. Some of you have read this book. It sold over 27 million copies. And he hired a team of researchers before he wrote this book. And his team of researchers read thousands of biographies on the most influential people in history, trying to gather principles about how to win friends, influence people from these famous people. In fact, their, their research team read over 400 biographies on Theodore Roosevelt alone. Okay, so he puts all his research together and writes his book, How to Win Friends, Influence People. And he gets to page 100, and Dale Carnegie gives the solution in one statement, how to do it. Here's what he writes on page 100. You ready? Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. 
course, Jesus tells us that, obviously, right? Matthew 7, 12. This is the key. A lot of times people think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It's easy. What would you want them to say to you right now? What would you want them to do for you right now? It's easy. Just think for a second. Well, I'm sitting all alone. I would, I'd want someone to come, visit and come say hi to me. Well, there's someone over there alone. Go say hi to them. Well, I, I, I wish someone would call me. Well, call them. You know, so you start to just, it becomes real easy. You start to think the key is to treat others like you want them to treat you. That means cut them the same slack you want someone to cut you. Give them the same level of grace. You want someone to overlook your shortcomings? Overlook theirs. Just begin to treat others like you want them to treat you. You want someone to build you up? Then you say things that build up. You don't want someone making fun of you? Don't make fun of someone. It becomes so simple. Jesus made it simple for us. Treat others like you want to be treated. You want someone to keep something in confidence? Then you keep something in confidence. Proverbs eleven thirteen, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. So, you know, when you're in a small group and there's, and there's something you want someone to keep in confidence and you keep their stuff in confidence. And let the trust build there. So just treat others like you want to be treated yourself, and you will have friendships. I guarantee you, you'll have great friendships. So believe it's important to have community. Number two, initiate. Number three, treat others like you want to be treated. If we do those things, I guarantee you, if every one of us did those things, we'll be the friendliest church in the world. I went out to be a, find a friend. He was not there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Let's stand for closing prayer. I want to invite Amanda and Joey up for our ministry time here. Some of you received some bad news this week. Maybe it wasn't this week, but it was real recent, and it filled, you still feel raw from this bad news. Some of you had a bad health report this week. Someone you had some, heard some bad news about a loved one or from a loved one this week. Some of you, you know, the bad news regards your job this week. But this week, I mean, you feel it right now. You feel the rawness of something that's happened this week or real recent. And you need to understand you don't have to go through this alone, whatever it is. In fact, a man is going to sing the song we, we sang, Brandy sang for us a couple of weeks ago called I Am Not Alone. And I want you to know that in this church, there is no reason for you to be alone. We don't want anyone alone in this church. And some of you are going through something real hard right now, real difficult. And we don't want you to go through it alone. So during this song, I'm going to just ask you, if you're going through something, it just, it just recently happened, your job, a loved one, your health, or whatever, you want some support, you want some prayer, then during the song, just slip out of your seat and come down here, and you don't have to explain it to anybody. Just come down, stand here. If you want to kneel, kneel. And let some people come and gather around you, put a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Let us pray with you. Father, I pray right now you would enable us to really just function like a family. Lord, you just make this a safe place by the power of your Holy Spirit. We can forget about pride and we can just be real and 
Lord, you know what everyone's going through. You know those who need some support right now. And I pray, Lord, you would just enable them the grace to just be able to come and let others pray for them. We pray, Lord, you release your kingdom as we pray. Let your kingdom come. Kingdom for healing, kingdom for provision, Lord, and kingdom for reconciliation. Let your kingdom come in every way. So as Amanda sings, just if, if you need prayer for something, just slip out of your seat and come on down. Go ahead and start coming down. By the way, you're not going to be here alone, I promise you. This is, there's going to be a lot of people down here, so just go ahead and come on. Just come on down. And as people come, you see somebody that needs prayer, just come up and start praying for them. You don't have to wait for everyone to come. Just go ahead and slip on out, guys. This is, this is all family here. Come on. slip out of your seat and start to come pray for these people. Come on. Be a lot of people up here. Keep praying. I am pressing into you. Kingdom come, Lord. Father, that we're not alone. We're not alone. You're with us, but Lord, we're also, you made us to be with each other. We thank you for that. I pray, Lord, there'd be no one lonely in this church, in Jesus' name. We pray right now for those who have a health concern, Lord, or they need healing. We ask, would you release your kingdom now, Lord, through the laying out of hands, release your kingdom power for healing in Jesus' name. Let it come, Lord. For those, Lord, who need provision, 
whatever it is, Lord, you know, I lost their job or something, Lord, we just pr- would you provide what they need right now in Jesus' name? This week, Lord, just give them the great surprise of something better than they even expected. And for those, Lord, who's got, have a loved one on their heart right now, Lord, would you reach into the heart and life of that loved one, whatever their need is, and would you touch their lives in Jesus' name? And touch each one of us, Lord. And Lord, make us more and more a family. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Make sure you give them a hug down here, guys, before...